Hello and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Our messages are designed to help teach and equip you on your journey to lead people to follow Christ. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage you no matter where you are in your journey towards Jesus. If you have questions, want to talk, or want to learn more about Summit, visit us at summitniles.com. This last week was the reading in Ezekiel. Here, the word of the Lord. The hand of the Lord was on me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley that was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. And then he said, prophesy to these bones. Say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Say it. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and they stood up on their feet, a vast army. He said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up, our hope is gone. We're cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves. I'm going to bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up, you will live. And I'll settle you in your own land. And then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. And I have done it, declares the Lord. the end of Ezekiel chapter 48 the last words of Ezekiel recorded at the end of that chapter this last week reading through that when I got to that point in a word in a name one name the Lord He wrecked me. (laughs) The name Jehovah Shammah. Do you know what it means? The Lord is there. Dead bones can live again when the Lord is there. There is no equal. There is no rival. Dead bones live again through the power of the Holy Spirit. God is there. Heavenly Father, you are here. You live within the heart, the life, the body of every believer. 
And yet, Lord, too many times we choose to go our own way. We try to live in our own strength and our own power. Too many times, Lord, we're still sitting on the throne of our own life. Too many times, oh God, you're our co-pilot when you need to be our pilot. We need you in us. How will we live? How will the world know that there's a God who can bring to life the dead, restore the strength, give a witness apart from your spirit? We need you. So would you help us in these days just to rest in who you are and to trust you to lead us? Would you help us to make room for you? That, Lord, as we walk in faith and trust you, that there be no place in our heart or life that would be off limits. <laughs> that you would so fill us and anoint us with your spirit. That you'd live your life through us. <laughs> that our witness would be bold and strong. That the name of Christ would be praised. And the world would know that there's a God in heaven who is there. So help us to that end, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thankful that you're here tonight. Thank you for doing your part in worship. You know, the Bible says that if we don't worship, that the, the, even the rocks will cry out, right? And so grateful that you uh, were worshiping tonight. Thank, thankful for that. Um. We introduced uh, Jim and Dennis and Gerald to you this morning, and Brother Jim spoke, and it was a good, just a good, solid word. What a way to start um, our conference um, series of messages here on the Holy Spirit. We seek uh, the Holy Spirit together. So grateful for that. But I believe that God has more for us in these days, and uh, so I'm looking forward to uh, what the Lord lays on, on Gerald's heart. He's going to come in just a moment and, and share. And then uh, Brother Dennis is also going to share tonight. Um, they're going to lead us through uh, a time in the Word and a time of just experiencing what is God doing and saying in our heart, in our life. I can tell you that um, several weeks ago when um, Gerald stopped into um, my office and we were talking and in a moment, God brought our hearts together and began to think about um, a time in the Holy Spirit, gathered together with the people of Summit Church in our community, and um, since those days, we've been praying. I believe that God has something for us tonight. Brother Gerald, um, I just want to hear what the Lord has to say through you. Brother Dennis, as you come later. Our hearts are in tuned to what the Spirit is saying to the church in these days. Amen. God bless you. Love you, brother. Amen. <laughs> well, hallelujah. <laughs> Just take a moment, look around. This is a full church on a Sunday night. Can you believe that? And it's been one of those Michiana days. I'd kind of forgotten about Michiana weather. 
My word. I mean, when I was a kid, I walked all the way from what is now Bethel University to Mishawaka High School, to some of you that know the landscape. And uh, I tell my grandkids that, and they just roll their eyes. Like, that can't even be possible. Uh, but that's the gospel truth. And uh, those were the days. I, uh, I'm just standing on tiptoe tonight in anticipation. I don't know about you. I am excited. Not only did we have that conversation in July of last year, but uh, you're looking at an old man tonight that's still dreaming dreams. And I say old. Some of you might doubt that, but I, I'm 77 years old, headed for 78. And the fire of the Holy Ghost still burns in my soul. Uh, God, over the last 16 years, has birthed a movement in East Africa and he gets all the glory. It's an amazing story, and I don't have time to tell the details, but this church has helped us along the way with some financial gifts, and I am extremely grateful. But we started working with an unreached people group called the Makua people in the northern sector of Mozambique. And would you believe, we now have over 69,000 disciples that are part of that network. And the thing that thrills my heart tonight is that no longer are the Makua people considered an unreached people group. I mean, God deserves some praise, doesn't he? Wow. Uh, Brother Jim touched my heart this morning with that message. I mean, he laid some track for us, Dennis. I'll tell you, just absolutely great stuff. To think that God delights in giving good gifts to His children. And He gives to us the Holy Spirit when we ask Him. Can you believe that? He gives to us the Holy Spirit when we ask Him and when we seek Him. And tonight I'd like to flesh that out a little bit as we spend our time together and we're going to spend most of our time in the book of Judges, chapters 6 and 7. I will be honest. I leaned over and told Dennis, I don't even have an outline tonight. I hope that doesn't mess anybody up. I mean, you know, we don't have three points up there in an application. I just want you to be aware that this is going to be more African in nature. I'm going to tell a story and we're going to make an application. But I believe it's a word that God has given to us and and Brother Dennis, Dennis is going to come along. We're going to kind of tag team here tonight. And just, just see what the Holy Spirit has to say to the church. And uh, I am excited as we, we consider that. I, I'd just like to begin by talking a little bit about my own personal journey. Uh, I was 15 years old and went to the Prairie Street Camp. And some of you that have been around missionary church circles, you know that that's a camp meeting south of Elkhart. And when I was 15 years old, I went to that camp meeting, and I will tell you, at 15, I could care less about Bible study and church services at night. I went there primarily to see the girls <laughs> and to play softball. And that's, those were my primary interests. And 
uh, like Dennis, I know a little bit of Dennis's history, you know, I'd sneak off the campgrounds, hitchhike into Wakarusa and buy cigarettes. That was kind of a big deal back then. And we'd go out there in the woods behind the tabernacle and smoke cigarettes while the services were going on. And uh, we thought that uh, we were pretty big rebels. And then one night uh, in the boys' dormitory, there was a guy by the name of Lester Rassi who still lives in this area. And Lester Rassi, uh, we were bunking near each other in the boys' dorm out there at the Prairie Street Camp. And one night after the service, Lester knew my condition. And he didn't mince words. He said, you know, Gerald, it's about time you get your life straightened around with the Lord. And I don't know what happened through those brief phrases that he gave me, but I'm here to tell you tonight, the Holy Spirit began to convict me of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And we talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. My brothers and sisters, it all begins with that conviction of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And oftentimes we're extremely fearful of the work of the Holy Spirit, but all of that gives way to the new birth. We can't even embrace Jesus unless the Holy Spirit reveals the magnitude of our depravity and our sin. That is the work of the Holy Spirit of God, bringing us to a place of repentance and faith. And that night, uh, Lester spoke to me, and about that time, there's a little short guy who is the pastor of a church, and uh, he had, the, he had the, the, the job that night of being the night watchman at Prairie Street Camp. And he had one of those big flashlights that was almost as tall as he was. His name was Glenn Marks. Glenn's only about this tall. Okay, that flashlight, so help me, was just about as big as Glenn. And he came upstairs uh, there at the dorm where we were supposed to be going to bed, and he said, guys, it's about time to knock it off and turn out the lights and go to sleep. And my friend Les spoke up, and he said, uh, Pastor Marks, he said, I'm talking serious stuff here to Gerald. Is there any way we could have a further conversation? And so he said, uh, why don't you guys get your duds on? Because we had our PJs on. We're ready to go to bed. Why don't you guys get your duds on? Let's go over to the tabernacle, this gigantic tabernacle, probably seats several thousand people, and all the lights were out except for some exit lights at the front. We went down and sat on the very front row. And Lester was on one side, Glenn Marks was on the other side. And Pastor Marks picked up where Lester left off. And man, the more he talked, I mean, the greater the weight of sin was on my shoulders. I mean, I was just bending low. And about that time, Pastor Marks looked at me and he said, young man, he said, I really think you'd like to pray, wouldn't you? And I indicated that I'd like to pray. And they had an altar in the front of that tabernacle. And I remember specifically that night at the age of 15, one month shy of my 16th birthday, I met Jesus. And he forgave me of my sin. And I became a new creation. The old passed away. And I experienced the new. One year later at that same camp, there was a, an evangelist who was a pastor 
from Ohio, from the Christian Missionary Alliance Church. His name was Bill Allen. He'd been a former athlete and a big guy, good preacher. One Saturday morning, he brought us a Bible study on personal holiness. And again, the Holy Spirit began to speak with me, and he gave an invitation at the end. He said, you know, maybe you're a Christian and a follower of Jesus, but you're having some struggles in your life, and you'd like to go deeper with God. And uh, I invite you to a place of prayer. And that morning I went forward, and again, it was just a, a deep work that God did in my life. Some of you that come out of the old holiness background, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some call it a work of sanctification, the crisis experience, the specific experience that occurs. Phoebe Palmer, a Methodist preacher, a woman, talked, equated that with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And I'm here to tell you that that Saturday morning, God did a profound, deeper work in my life. I personally believe that when we experience that second experience as followers of Jesus, that there's a distinct cleansing that takes place. And what I find fascinating is that when Peter went to Jerusalem to the council after the Gentile Pentecost, what fascinates me that he stood up in Acts chapter 15, verses 8 and 9. He said, their hearts were purified by faith, just like ours were on the day of Pentecost. There's a deeper cleansing that takes place when we experience it. Does that mean, you know, we're going to live a, a life of absolute, total perfection in our walk with God? No, that's where Ephesians 5.18 comes in. Be not drunk with wine, where is it excess, but be filled, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I would ask you a question. How does a guy that drinks stay drunk? He just keeps drinking. <laughs> it's not complicated. It's not a trick question, church. The drunk just keeps drinking. And that's the way he stays drunk. And some of you have come out of issues of alcoholism in your past. And uh, you could chug away a case of beer. And, and you just kind of perpetually live that way. And then Jesus came into your life and freed you up in those areas. But if you're going to stay drunk, you've got to keep drinking. If you want to stay filled with the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters... You've got to keep drinking from the well of the Holy Spirit. Is this making sense? Is this making sense? So tonight I want to talk a little bit about the, what I call the fear factor because I find it fascinating that the Father delights, as Brother Jim told us this morning, in giving good gifts to His children. And we know that the Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. Are you in agreement with me on that? The Holy Spirit's a perfect gentleman. And I would simply say to you tonight that we can trust, we can place our lives in the hands of the Holy Spirit. He will guide us. He will fill us. And that needs to be a continual, a continual process. So we have the starting point when 
we embrace Jesus and He becomes our personal Savior and Lord. Then a little later, there's a, there's a deeper commitment and surrender. Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 12. He said, I beseech you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God that you present. It's an aorist tense verb in the Greek. It's a specific act where you present yourself. He's talking to Christians. You present yourselves to the work of the Spirit. And, and He baptizes and fills us. Hallelujah. And then it's ongoing. It's ongoing. You know, daily we need to drink deeply from that well. So in light of all of this, my concern tonight is, this, this thought has been banging around in my head all afternoon. Brother Jim talked about the Father delighting in giving good gifts to His children and giving us the Holy Spirit. And then the question that I would pose to you tonight if the Father gives us good gifts and He gives the Holy Spirit to them that ask, why, brothers and sisters, are we afraid to open the gift? Why are we afraid? Why are we afraid? And I think before we leave this place tonight, we need to answer that question. Why am I afraid of opening my life to the fullness of God's Spirit? Is it an issue of control? Are we afraid that we're going to lose our control? Listen, like I said earlier, the Holy Spirit's a perfect gentleman. The Holy, and we can confide. We can trust in Him. We can trust in Him. So I'd like to deal with this whole concept of fear tonight and just a few thoughts from Judges chapter 6 and 7. If you'd keep your Bibles open to those two chapters. Let me say, uh, while you're finding that passage of Scripture, I, in some ways, I just feel like I'm back in Brazil tonight. So if I cut loose in Portuguese, would you please forgive me? Because the last five, six years uh, since I retired from pastoring in Ohio, matter of fact, i got a family. Uh, my elder board chairman, Scott Hobbs, and his beautiful family are here tonight. Drove all the way up from Greenville, Ohio. And uh, they, they are just a dear, dear family, like my own kids. Uh, but I, I've not been preaching in English. I've been preaching in Portuguese and East Africa and Brazil, South America. So I'm clueless as to what's going to come out of my mouth tonight. It may just end up being a full-blown Pentecostal service, okay? <laughs> you all just buckle up, just buckle up, or buckle down, I don't know which. Amen. Uh, but I really enjoyed the worship tonight. Pastor Chuck and and Caleb, man, just great worship tonight that reminded me a lot of Brazil. And just the atmosphere in this place. I leaned over and told Dennis, I said, man, it's fun coming to church. And you experience that. I mean, it's just fun coming to church. I looked up here, and, I, and these old guys that are playing the guitar and the bass. I mean, it's no secret. These guys are former rock and rollers. That is a fact. I know that just by the way they go at it. These guys are really good musicians. And so it's been a lot of fun just to be in the house of the Lord today. Okay. Judges chapter 6. 
And I'm going to begin reading, and I don't know where we're going to jump in and jump out here, so just stick with us, okay? The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped, they camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them on their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian also... Uh, so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. And when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all of your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in uh, Oprah that belonged to Joash, the, the Abizarite where his son, Gideon, was threshing wheat in a wine press. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, there's some irony in all of this. The reason that Gideon was threshing his wheat in a wine press was because he was totally afraid. The Midianites were robbing the crops of the Israelites, and he, he was just totally afraid. Uh, typically, when people would thrash their wheat in Palestine, they would go to a hilltop where the wind could carry the chaff away. But here we find Gideon down in a wine press, down in the bottom of a valley, because there's where the wine press would be located, so the law of gravity could carry the grapes down the hillside where they could be stomped on. Are we tracking? And so here's Gideon. I mean, it's blistering hot. And he's threshing his wheat in a wine press. This guy is covered from head to toe in wheat chaff. This is not a pleasant experience. Some of you that have farm backgrounds, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. Do you ever get covered with wheat chaff? It's not a fun experience. You're looking for the next creek where you can take a dive and get rid of that stuff. And here he was, covered with chaff from head to toe. And the angel of the Lord appears. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon, the NIV, this response is phenomenal. Pardon me, my Lord? Are you pulling my leg? Dude, this can't be true. No way! 
Then the Lord said to him in verse 14, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord. Again, that same response. Gideon replied, How can I save Israel? My clan, my family, is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. And the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, <coughs> leaving none alive. And so then Gideon began a series of tests, and I'm not going to go into all of those experiences. You can go home tonight and read Judges chapters 6 and 7 and get the full-blown story, okay? But anyway, Gideon put God to the test. And uh, God responded. And then, finally, he agrees. And in that process, uh, the Lord said, the Lord said to Gideon, if you still have any doubts, I want you to go down in the middle of the night to the Midianite camp, because now they've got an army of probably around 135,000 soldiers. And by this time, God had whittled things down for Gideon. Started off with uh, 32,000 soldiers. And then Gideon raised the question, how many of you are afraid to go into battle? What was the result? 22,000 cut bait and ran. So now he's down to 10,000. And this looks like an impossible task. How can we take on 135,000 people for crying out loud? And then God said, Gideon, you've got too many. And so there was another test, and he ended up with 300, 300 soldiers. By the way, let the rain fall. <laughs> I mean, I just want the rain that comes from heaven, don't you? Just let it fall. And so anyway, 300, and uh, Gideon had some doubts, obviously. And so the Lord said, if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. And so they went down and listened. And as they listened in, the, in, in all of the darkness, in the middle of the night, they, they heard a conversation that went like this. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. Now this is the enemy talking. And when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshiped. Woo! He bowed down. 
<coughs> and worship. And then the strategy. Trumpets, empty jars, and torches inside of them. Strategically placed, a hundred, a hundred, a hundred. And Gideon said, follow my command. And the wee hours of the morning before daylight, he gave the command. Those vases were broken. There they were with torches, and they sounded the trumpet and gave the shout, the sword of the Lord, and Gideon. And the Midianites fled, 135,000 of them. They ran. Matter of fact, Scripture suggests that they even killed one another in the process. And as they ran all along the way, the other tribes got involved in the chase. And here's where I want to end up tonight. In that process, they chased after the, the enemy. And in that process, they captured, they captured two of the Midianite leaders, two of their commanders, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb at the winepress in Zeb. Here's the application to this little story tonight. The place, the very place of Gideon's greatest fear became the place of his greatest victory. He started off in a winepress where he was totally just paralyzed by fear. And the enemy commander is located in a winepress. And his life was destroyed in that place. So I come back to the question this evening, and I think it's one that all of us need to consider. Why are we afraid of God's good gift? The Father delights in giving good gifts to His children. He gives the Holy Spirit to them that ask. I can't help but believe tonight that there are some of you that, like me, you've been on a Christian journey, but your life lacks some fruitfulness. Your life is cluttered with fear. And so tonight, in this process, we want to provide for you an opportunity where you can seek the fullness of God's Spirit in your life. We're going to give you that opportunity. And um, I don't know exactly, Dennis, how we need to coordinate this right now. <laughs> we, we kind of had a little game plan that we're talking about. But uh, I'm going to ask, could the worship team just come back, Caleb? Could you guys just scoot back up here? I just feel like we need to open the altar. Is that fair? Give people an opportunity to respond tonight. And then we're going to do some other things after this, but I, I just feel in my spirit tonight that there are some of you here that are, are seekers, and maybe some of this stuff sounds a little strange, and there's a certain amount of fear and apprehension. But the place of your greatest fear 
can become the place of your greatest victory. I'm just uh, going to ask you to stand and um, where are we going to go with the song? Yeah, we're going to go into our song, sing the song, Lord, I Need You. Okay. Invites. We're just going to open the altar. Some of you want to come and kneel here. They've got marvelous little mats that you can kneel on. You can kneel here at the, the front chairs. Or if God's just speaking to you right where you are, feel free just to sit down and seek the Lord in these moments. Let's just be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Praise God. He is present. When Jim and Gerald and I got together, nobody has to leave the altar. You can stay here as long as you want. But when we got together a couple months ago, I said, guys, I think we need to, we need to come with a willingness to be obedient to the Holy Spirit, that's going to call for spontaneity in some situations. And I don't know if you know how scared it is for a pastor to get up or a preacher to get up without a sermon outline. My brother told me at lunch today, we were talking about this evening service, and that's really the way it's been. We just one step after the other. There's no pre-planned other than complete obedience to the Lord. But Brother Gerald said, I, I, I'd like to just share from uh, a truth in Judges. I want to share for about five minutes. <laughs> you just witnessed five Brazilian minutes. <laughs> Gerald, thank you for not stopping at an American five minutes. Because God wasn't done. And I appreciate so much your willingness to be obedient to him. That's what God wants. He says to King Saul after he sinned, obedience is better than sacrifice. Stick with obedience. We've been, uh, we've been in contact with Pastor Dan frequently, particularly in the last month, and he's been sharing some of the, some of the great things that have already been happening in this church. And I'd kind of like to hear what God's been doing in your lives. Now, that's spontaneity there. Uh, more important than me hearing is that you need to hear from others in your fellowship what God's been doing. So here's my question. I've got a couple guys around here with microphones. Is what's God been saying to you? What's he been speaking into your life? What is God doing in your life? particularly in the last few weeks, maybe even the last few minutes. I think we need to have a witness. I'm just going to pause and wait. Actually, while I pause and wait, let me tell you what God's been doing in my life, okay? <laughs> December 13th, I began to pray with great intensity. What was that term you used this morning, Jim? You used atrocious... audacious. It was an audacious prayer. 
saying, God, transform me. Transform me. I'm not satisfied with where I am. Too much flesh, not enough spirit. More spirit, less flesh. And God began to just peel off layers. You say, how can he peel off layers for somebody that's been a believer for over half a century? Somebody that's 74 years old ought to have all the answers. Let me tell you something. There's lots of layers there. One of the first layers was the layer of performance. It's the lie of performance. I was raised in a minister's home. And one of the things I heard more often than than ever, and I've, I've already confessed this to my brothers, we had a time of repentance and confession together, and it's been ongoing. But one of the things I remember going to church on Sunday morning, my mother saying, now don't be an idiot. Don't misbehave. In fact, one point I think she got so frustrated that my dear mother, bless her heart, said, if your father fails in this church, it'll probably be your problem. It'll be your fault. Now, that's probably not a good thing to say, but my mother, you've got to understand, I pushed her so far. And that creates a performance mentality. And any, I, I'm guessing that just about anybody that was raised to be well, raised in a minister's home, maybe with the exception of Pastor Katie, has lived with that performance <laughs> mentality. And you have to perform. Here's the problem with performance is that it creates pretense. And pretense then creates duplicity. And what ultimately happens is the inside doesn't match the outside. And it's a terrible thing to live in. Or my wife would say, the person, the dentist that people see is wonderful, but the dentist that I see is not wonderful. That's when you know God's peeling back the layers. There's a bunch of other layers there, but I don't want to go into that. I want to hear what God's been saying to you. What's God been saying to you? Don't be shy. Somebody needs to hear what God has been saying to you, what he's been doing in your life. Well, sometime, maybe, I don't know, uh, I may preach. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I told the Lord ahead of time, I said, if you find a closet for me in that church to pray for all six services, I'll do it. I'm fine with that, Lord, whatever you want. We're going to follow him and be obedient to him. But if I do, I want to talk to you about revival. Because we are seeing some we are seeing some movements of the Holy Spirit in these days. It's not just in Wilmore, Kentucky, where a bunch of students have gotten together and then it just exploded across the land. It's not just what's taking place at theaters where people are going to, to see the Jesus revolution and are having services and seeing people converted before they go in. It's happening in local churches. Now, you don't have to wait. You don't have to travel to Wilmore, Kentucky, or Kansas City, or Orlando, or wherever it is that God is pouring out His Holy Spirit. You can experience personal revival. And I want to talk about that sometime, if we get a chance. But let me just share with you, there was an evangelist in the 19th century, the end of the 19th century, by the name of Gypsy Smith. 
Gypsy Smith would go from town to town, riding on the back of a horse. And when he'd get to the outskirts of the town, he had a habit of pulling out a piece of chalk. And he would draw a circle. And he would say, God, bring revival to this community and begin with me. That's the challenge I want to leave with you tonight. Draw a circle and say, God, bring about revival and begin with me. And that's when God begins to move in the lives of people who love him and who are inspired by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for our time together tonight. Thank you for the testimonies that, that we've heard and the testimonies that are, we'll still will hear, Lord. Lord, thank you for lives totally surrendered. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit to get beyond that of confusion, beyond that of resistance, beyond that of duplicity, dear Lord, to bring Christians who love you into full alignment, in full surrender. It doesn't make any difference what we call this experience. What it does make a difference is that we are living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit-controlled life. Thank you, Father. Lord, I don't know what you want to do, but I know you want to do a great deal. And you're working in the, in the Summit Church. You're working through the lives of people. And so, Father, we, we continue to surrender to your leading. Have your way, dear Jesus. In the strong and powerful name of Jesus, we pray it. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Brother Dan, it's all yours. So I'm grateful for what we have heard and learned and experienced tonight. And I'm hungry for more. And you need to go home. You need to go home. I need to get my mic on. You need to go home and rest. But be ready for what God is saying to us in these days. Just want to encourage you to come. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that God has brought some men to us who aren't concerned about building themselves up, but they're concerned about building the church up, the people of God up, and for that sensitivity. So um, I, I'm grateful and uh, uh, anticipate uh, much more that God wants to do. There's a lot more stories I know. There's going to be some more personal times where you'll be able to share some of those experiences. There's some powerful and profound things that God has done and is doing in lives. And let me just say one more thing. God has done significant work already in our lives. And there are things, there are decisions, and there are things that happened here. Mark the spot. Um, that are life-changing, decisions that have been made, um, assurance of, of salvation, filling of the Spirit. There are things that have happened here, and I'm so grateful for that. Okay? You all right? All right. Would you stand? I love you. <laughs>
Um, I'm reminded from time to time, Sunday morning, some friend comes by and he says, um, I love you, but I don't love you as much as Jesus does. <laughs> Jesus loves you. God loves you. As you leave this place, go, knowing the great love of God is calling you. He sent His Son to die on the cross for your sin. He has given us the gift of His Holy Spirit to empower us to live for Him. Go out and become the church in the world. So Lord, I pray your blessing on every person tonight. Thank you for our time together in your presence. Lord, take people home safely. Give them rest. Help them in all of the things that they endeavor to do tomorrow. God, as they rest through the night, you are with them. When they wake up, you are with them. When they serve during the day, you are with them. And then, Lord, bring us back to be in your presence again, together, in a place where we know God is there. So you're doing significant things in our lives. For that, we thank you. We give you praise. We're making room for your Holy Spirit as we seek him together. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Go in peace. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Summit Church Podcast. Again, if you have questions, visit us at summitniles.com. Now go and be the church in the world.